Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. So today we are very excited to be kicking off our new sermon series. Okay, the Revelation Reclaimed sermon series was amazing. Uh, It ran from January to Easter, and we just walked through like the apocalypse, like this vision of the end of the world that really through like poetic device and amazing apocalyptic literature imagery, it was a deep criticism of the Roman Empire. So we, uh, if, if, yeah, I see some air horn noises going off. If you like that Revelation Reclaimed sermon series, then um, shout it out. Big fan, big fan. Um, yes, <laughs> Joseph. Yeah, can you call it fishing if no fish show up usually? Yeah, no, but for real though. It's like, is it fishing or is it just sitting on a lake? Yeah, let's find out. Uh, and speaking of, of uh, fishing and just sitting on a lake, we are in a new sermon series called Aftermath. Rebuilding our lives and our city together. We felt like after this sermon series talking about kind of like, in many ways, deconstructing things, deconstructing how we view the text of Revelation that is so seriously infused in conservative evangelicalism through a a hermeneutic that I told, through an an interpretive lens that I totally don't agree with. (laughs) Um, But rather like, uh, uh, Revelation is like, okay, we're deconstructing. And then at the very end, there was that little spot that's like, oh yeah, and also there's a new city. And so we felt like it would be a really natural uh, next step in terms of our in our uh, community together to be looking at the aftermath. What do we do with what is next? What do we do with the fact that more and more of our community is driving to Walmarts in Litchfield <laughs> to get a vaccine and pretty soon folks are going to be vaccinated. What does it mean that the Chauvin trial is going on in Minneapolis? And what are we going to do in the aftermath of the Chauvin trial? What does it mean that we are still living with the economic and certainly racial disparity impacts that we saw exaggerated in COVID-19, but certainly still uh, persist? What does it mean that there are still um, tent encampments and, and people who don't have housing yet who have had to survive the winter? Like all of these things are kind of like the questions of what happens after the thing. And that's really what we're going to be getting in for this sermon series. I'm really, really excited about it. And I think that one of the texts that's a helpful entree to this, oh, and I should say, for this sermon series, me and the preaching team are going to be looking at rebuilders in the Bible, people throughout the Bible who have had to look at stuff that was deconstructed and then figure out what God is calling to reconstruct. We're going to look at the folks who looked at the rubble on the ground and said, how do we make a temple? We're going to look at the folks who said, who listened to the deafening silence and said, how can we create a song? We're going to look at the folks who uh, see all of this infighting and say, how can we create community? These are the folks that we are going to look to, our spiritual ancestors who have had to rebuild something out of nothing and in so channel a God who creates something out of nothing. 
That is the God that we love and serve, and that is the God who's showing up for us now. And I think that there is a powerful story here at the end of John. Keep in mind that this is like the very end of John, right? Like this is after the resurrection. In the reading, I believe it said that um, uh, this is the third time that Jesus showed up to them. And um, I just think it's such a... uh, a stark image. There's all these fishers going out to to sea, and you know, like these are these are folks who by trade were fishers, but then Jesus called them away from fishing, and so like in some ways they were kind of returning to fishing as kind of like a uh, uh, we have to we have to fall back on what we're used to because sometimes I I have a colleague who's a nurse. She says, when people are stressed, they regress. When they're stressed, they regress. And that means that sometimes we fall back to old habits, even if, uh, even if that's um, uh, not all the things that we've known because we've experienced things subsequently, right? And so, so we have these fishers going out, out to the sea and, uh, and they're doing what they grew up learning how to do. They're throwing their nets off the side of the boat you could hear the slap of the water as the nets uh, landed in, and then and then they were eventually just trying to trying to pull things back, trying to pull things back, and all that they found, as the nets pulled up, was the dripping water, maybe some seaweed, and they said, "Wait, even the old ways aren't going to sustain us anymore. Even the old ways aren't going to sustain us anymore." And I just think about how many people in our community have had to uh, grow up in a certain kind of tradition, a certain Christian tradition, where they were told to throw nets on one side of the boat, and they were promised that there would be sustenance that comes from this. How many queer people grew up in churches in our community who uh, said, okay, just throw your net and then pull it back in, and, and then you will find what you need. How many women have been told, just, just throw your net overboard and then and pull it back and see what you need, right? Like how many disabled people, how many immigrants are being told like, just do it this way, and then you're gonna get the thing that sustains us all. And, uh, and how many times have the people in our community, queer people, women, immigrants, uh, also cisgender men, yay, glad that you're here, uh, <laughs> are throwing things over and saying, wait a second, I'm doing what everyone says that I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm coming up empty. I'm feeling a little bit dry. I'm not finding the things that are, that are supposed to sustain me. And in fact, I'm finding the opposite. My nets are pulling up boots and tires and toxic sludge and glass. Wait a second. I was told from the old ways that I could do this a certain way, and it's not yielding the results that I was promised. This is, I was told that if I just said the right words, if I just said the right prayers, if I checked the list of what Jesus wants from me, then all of my problems would be solved. But all of a sudden, I'm finding that I'm coming up on empty. I'm finding either neutral or negative results from this so-called fishing. But what does that mean? And it is from the shore 
that Jesus calls out to the people who are coming up on empty. It is from the shore of resurrection that Jesus is calling out to the folks who are adrift at sea, fishing on empty. And what does Jesus say? (laughs) Uh, Have you caught anything to eat? Have you caught anything to eat? First of all, great job with nonviolent communication, Jesus, leading with the question. Like, I'm not going to tell you something. I'm just going to try to see if, if you're aware of what I'm seeing. Great tactic. Jesus says, so tell us, how has that gone for you? How has this, this empty effort, how, what does it feel like for your body to be breaking, to try to fit into a process that isn't returning anything to you? Jesus is calling out to those folks. Jesus is calling out to those folks. I remember when I was um, uh, in transitioning from high school to college, I was one of those. Um, uh, yes, in the chat, the question was the Bible verse comes from John. This is John 21. Uh, and I remember I was reading the Bible nonstop. My family can attest like fifth grade onward. I was basically reading the Bible continuously and I loved it. And I did have really um palpable experiences of love and community love and um and i i did have really powerful experiences of being a christian and then i went to college and you know like you remove certain structures i moved across the country so i couldn't like go home for a dinner or anything like i there was certain stresses there and then it's like Boston, which is like not the Midwest, like there's like a lot of strivers, some very competitive and like kind of uh, uh, driven people. Okay, we were in the blast zone of Harvard at that point. We we're in Boston University just across the river. And, um, and it was really stressful. Like I, I was all of a sudden like, okay, I'm managing my own life and I'm managing when I'm supposed to be doing like lots of spinning plates. And I'm also like getting involved in lots of activities. And I found like the the traditions that I grew up with were powerful and so helpful. And like somehow something needed to shift in me. Somehow I needed to find a deeper grounding. Somehow I needed to like like find a way to maintain my spirituality when when we were talking about like New England levels of stress here. So um and so I started sitting uh, meditation at the Cambridge Zen Center. Um, I would wake up at 5.30 in the morning, cross the river, uh, sit down with some Buddhist monks, and then go to, like, finish, and then go to work at a chapel for, for a, a queer campus ministry that I was starting. And, like, that was my life for a little bit because I just needed to, like, find more and more silence in my life. And I think that I was, in that silence, I looked at some of the older ways with certain appreciation and love, but just realized like there are some things that I need from my spiritual practice that, that aren't feeding me anymore. I'm like putting the net out, but all of a sudden I'm not getting quite the same results as I did before. So what does that mean? And so, so I, I, I kept, uh, so I kept uh, going at it and I, um, uh, throughout college is, you know, like did this whole like Christian Buddhist dance. I used to identify as a Zen Methodist, which doesn't exist. 
<laughs> and uh, eventually in seminary, uh, it wasn't until like last semester, I had just spent a semester living in the, uh, Buddha, the Tibetan Buddhist community of the Dalai Lama. And then I did a, 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 a retreat at Taze, which is a Christian contemplative community and uh, at Plum Village where Thich Nhat Hanh does his things. Is, uh, uh, he, he, Thich Nhat Hanh is the one who brought the Zen tradition, l- largely responsible for bringing the Zen tradition to the country. So I was having these experiences of like Taze and worshiping Jesus and then Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, who was amazing and who I appreciate. But somehow as I'm sitting in front of this cross, I'm like, singing these songs of deep contemplation and quietness because we're in a monastery, remember? And it's like, wait a second, wait, wait, wait. There has been silence and deep mysticism and, and spirituality in my Christian tradition all along. There's just certain parts about the tradition that I grew up with that didn't necessarily reveal that to me. Or maybe I wasn't developmentally ready for it. But all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, I'm in love with Jesus. Like, I, I like really believe in the power of Jesus. I really believe in the power of the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that is how I see God moving in the world. And if I can have like this deep sense of mysticism and like pursue the one whom my heart loves, then that's what I'm going to sign up for. And so I kind of like bowed to Buddhism and said, thank you so much for supporting me when I wasn't finding anything that was supporting me otherwise. And then I became like a Methodist pastor. Yeah. And, and, and so like, I see, you know, I don't want to, I think that everyone has their own story of how the tradition that they grew up with has or hasn't served them. But I know that even for traditions that you feel a lot of affection for, there are times when you're fishing and it comes up on empty. Uh, and <laughs> I, I see folks saying, so relatable, my old ways were good practices. They just couldn't handle how intense life has become these days. Yes, some days I realize the old ways never worked to begin with. Woo! And what a, what, a, what a deconstructive moment that is. And I want to name that, like, Jesus asked the question of, uh, hey, have you caught anything to eat? In a... Um, in a way that was prompting people to say no. And it was that no that allowed for the deconstruction to begin. And at New City Church, we are not afraid of deconstruction. Like at New City Church, we're like, we know that folks have questions. We know that there are ways that like your pants used to fit a certain way. And then all of a sudden you're in a new part of life. And it's like, nope, that ain't it. <laughs> like I gotta find something new. Like we, we are not afraid of deconstruction because we know how important it is to make sure that your spirituality has healthy soil. There's a park uh, really close to where I live that was um, built on a landfill. So it's like there's like trees and, and, you know, you walk into the park and initially it just seems like a regular park. Like, okay, there's shrubbery, there's trees, there's that cool owl, there's squirrels. Hello, my friends. However, you kind of get this sense that there's something toxic underneath the surface. There's like, as you're walking along these paths, there's like juts of concrete slab and rebar that's just like there. And there's this one spot where there's this like rusted out oil tanker thing that's just like 
there. <laughs> and it's like, wow, there's like stuff going on underneath the surface that is not helpful for the, for the flourishing of life here. And it is because of that landfill that lots of the trees in this park fall over prematurely. Okay, you hearing what I'm saying? Like there's, there's a lot of, lot of things that wish that they could uh, flourish and, and be just like a normal forest and just, uh, just do all the things. But those trees are falling because what is underneath them is not healthy and sound. What is underneath it is not uh, uh, contributing to the flourishing of life. And the reason why deconstructing is so important is because sometimes we got to dig down deep and just scoop out the toxic stuff. Sometimes there's things that won't break down on their own unless we dig deep and excavate it out. And so at New City Church, when folks are talking about like, man, like purity culture really did a number on me. It's like, yeah, let's talk about purity culture, right? Like, man... Like it really, how I related to the Bible before, like really didn't help me. It's like, yeah, let's talk about that. By the way, literalism is like not even a thing. But <laughs> spoiler alert, like biblical literalism uh, uh, initially started in like the, really picked up steam in like the late 1800s, but it's never been a hermeneutic that like neither Jesus nor the Jewish tradition in the Old Testament would have been comfortable with. Like, like we have to be able to deconstruct these things like that. We have to be able to say that the toxic things underneath these layers are not helpful and are not contributing to the flourishing of life. And like, and, and Jesus himself is calling us to excavate some of those out. That's the Jesus on the shore that I want to worship. I want to, I want to worship a Jesus who's calling out these self-awakening questions that require me to, to um, cause a stir in my inner life, that require me to take out some of the things that aren't contributing to the flourishing of life. We're not afraid of deconstructing. And we know deep down inside that a deconstruction is not a resting point. We know that if we continue to just kind of like be overwhelmed with the cynicism that says like, ah, man, that was so messed up, man, that, that was not okay. If, if, uh, and, and allow that cynicism to turn towards our future then that's when it stops to service as well, right? Like saying like, man, this was so problematic and therefore I'm not going to try anything ever again. <laughs> you know, like, man, this was, this was hurtful and therefore I'm never going to allow myself to risk being hurt again. However, that defensive posture also means that I won't fully live again. I see deconstruction has allowed me to see and experience God's abundant creativity and love. That's exactly what we're trying to get at here. That's exactly what we're trying to get at here. Like, like deconstruction is like a move. It's like an exhale that creates space for you to inhale. But we know that just exhaling is not going to result in the life that we are called to lead, right? Like we know that somehow like, okay, we might be able to say to the left side of the boat, like, yeah, this fishing did not yield something that nourished me, but you still got to eat. <laughs> like somehow you got to find something to eat. And dare we believe in a Christ who is saying, what if you tried 
the other side of the boat? What if you took those nets, strangled out the seaweed and all the junk that came from that side of the boat and try casting it on a different side of the boat? Dare we believe that God can show up if we make some adjustments in our life? And, you know, I bet that there were some some folks on that boat that were like, you know, I'm good. My arms are tired. I'm discouraged. I'm broken down from this whole night of completely fruitless fishing. It's now just sitting in a boat on a lake. (laughs) It's not even fishing anymore, Jesus. We're just literally going through the choreography of of scarcity. And um, I, I just think that there's so much power in Jesus saying like, but what if there is another way for you to get in touch with the God who can't wait to nourish you? What if there is another way that you can get in touch with abundance? Get in touch with that creator God who created all the species of the fish? What if there was a way that a God of that much infinite creativity, of deep beauty, is available to you if you are willing to throw a net on the other side of the boat? to throw a net on the other side of the boat. I bet that there was a lot of folks who were like, no, <laughs> like I'm going to stick with seaweed. It's delicious. <laughs> I don't need. <laughs> and Jesus is like, okay, it's a great source of iron, but sometimes you got to get some protein in your life. The vegetarians can throw their nets onto the, the tofu fields, but some of y'all are going to have to fish on the other side of the boat. Some of you are going to have to figure out a new choreography of abundance. And that is something that you will not just wrestle with in your brain, even though reading up on it and brain stuff is helpful. That is a a new type of dance that you're going to have to use. Like you might have been used to like leading with this arm and then using this arm as the support. But now I'm asking you to do the opposite. And that is why... Uh, Jesus is, is uh, a God who meets us in our bodies. Dare we believe to try something different and trust that God will show up truly. And I tell you, I bet that this story only has two for the sake of brevity, you know, like parchment was ex- expensive. But like, if there was like a 30-sided boat where it was like, I'm casting the net here. Nope. I'm casting the net here. Nope. I'm casting the net here. No, I bet we would have seen a lot more iterations of that. And each time, I bet there would have been a Jesus on the shore saying, I believe that the God of abundance is still reaching out to you. I believe that there is an opportunity for you to live into who you were created to be, for you to discover authenticity like you never imagined it before, like you can discover community like you never imagined before. I believe it is possible, but it depends on you throwing the net yet again into the water. You know, I was, um, this, uh, uh, this week I've been doing some interviews for the launch of my book. Uh, and, um, one of the interviews was with this, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give any identifiers here, but, um, it was just with a, a radio show host that, um, was very sour about life, very, uh, bitter and cynical about life. And of course, like, 
hello, we're doing this interview from South Minneapolis. Like, yeah, I, I get that there are lots of reasons to put up those barriers to be cynical about life. But as I was engaging in this conversation with him and as I was t- witnessing to the gospel and being like, hey, I believe that the gospel shines a light to a, a new way. Um, it was kind of like, it was kind of like, you know, that there, there um, uh, uh, maybe some uh, Barrett or Joe or some folks in the chat can help me. What is the name of that? It's like moss that grows on rock. Um, so braiding sweetgrass taught me that moss that grows on rock can actually digest and eat rock. Rock, the most solid, unmovable thing that we can imagine. Like stereotypically, we think of a rock. And then there's like a moss that can eat it. And I just feel like what we were seeing in this interview was like this, this daring to trust. Lichen? Yeah, it might be lichen. Um, this daring to trust to come alive again. And I think that that's what God is always calling us to do whenever we engage problematic theology. Um, that the, <laughs> Yeah, lichen, for sure. Thank you, Paula. Um, it's like... I believe that that God is saying um, there is abuse in the world and abuse is not okay and abuse is not something that we enable. And the antidote to abuse is positive, constructive, and abundant, safe experiences uh, of, of that thing. Like I think of folks who have had um, so many negative experiences, feeling betrayed by their friends, for example, and feeling really hurt by friends who have betrayed them. And it's like, yeah, but the, the, res- the answer to that is not never have friends. The answer to that is like find folks who are worthy of stewarding this relationship with you and show up to that relationship in a way that allows for a new type of connection to happen. Uh, like that takes a ton, a ton of effort that takes a ton of strength. It is the strength of resurrection. It is the strength of crawling out of a cave on your hands and knees. It is the strength of digging your way out of a tomb. It takes so much effort. But we see through this story the promise of it. So, uh, so the fish, uh, the people who are fishing, folks on the, uh, on the side of the boat, 153 fish, whoa! the (laughs) naked disciple perhaps because he's so vulnerable perhaps because it's kind of like when you're like slumped in front of a screen at the end of the night and he's just given up like he's just not even trying anymore whatever the reason perhaps because he is born being born anew like adam and eve uh oh i hadn't thought about that before adam and eve were naked and then they were sent out because they became ashamed of their bodies and maybe this is kind of saying like Okay, this is the other side of that story. Like human beings were naked and then we became ashamed and then you swim to Jesus and then you experience something different. You experience a new type of birth. And what I love about Jesus is that it's not just about Jesus meeting with uh, uh, Peter and being like, okay, now you and I can have our personal little uh, uh, personal chat where we just talk to each other and don't worry about anything else. What Jesus says is, come and have breakfast to all y'all. Jesus says, I want the whole community, I want everyone to come to shore after experiencing God's abundance to be able to connect with each other, 
Because that's the thing about spiritual practice is that once you experience God's abundance, suddenly you find a little bit more material to be able to create community together. Suddenly you find a brunch of the new world that is allowing people to create relationships, not only with God, not only with uh, the God who created us, but with the, the creatures that God has created. That's the promise of the new way. And I know that folks who are adrift at sea, who are so frustrated with their nets, are so like not in a mindset of being able to have breakfast with community right now. But like that is what our heart is most deeply longing for. And if we allow ourselves to trust God enough to try to create this brunch of the new world, then perhaps we can create a different kind of community. Perhaps in the aftermath of so many things that are so violent and so destructive, we can relate to each other in a way that allows for healing to actually begin. That is the Christ that I want to believe in. That is the Christ that I want to follow. And if that is the promise of resurrection, then I will put everything on the line to be able to allow for that to happen. Because what are the alternatives? Stay in my boat, adrift forever like i believe that that brunch is waiting for us and i believe that that brunch isn't just something that is for me individually but all of us collectively as a movement and so can we collectively as a movement type amen into the chat to allow for god to um to heal our hearts to be like the lichen in our hearts that that starts to ter- that starts to soften the stone that starts to create deep roots to allow for that soil god to be the conditions of life again type amen in the chat if you're with me yes i believe that this is possible i believe that we're in this together we welcome your questions we welcome your doubts And we welcome a new type of community. Yes, God, let it be, let it be.